Say amen, church. Wow, beautiful. What a sobering reminder this morning that fathers know, Father knows best. I've often said that uh, there's been many, many trials that I've been through that I would never have picked out for myself. But on the flip side, I would have never taken anything for what I gained for anything in the world. Through the fiery furnace of adversity, we learn that God molds and shapes character, burns out all the impurities that are inconsistent with his divine will for our lives. And in so doing, Daddy knows best. Amen. He really does. Uh, when we don't understand, when we're spinning on the wheel and everything seems confusing and it's a blur, and then when he puts us in the furnace to temper us, He's not going to leave us in there forever. I believe that God wants to make each and every one of his children vessels of honor that are fit for the master's use. There is a purpose behind your pain, though you may not see it today. But trust his heart when you cannot see his hand. Amen. I've been preaching on order. This will be our third installment on the series called Order. Uh... Last week we talked about household order. We're going to continue that theme this morning uh, out of Genesis chapter 1. And I need you to know that God's purpose for the family is to make disciples. And I'm going to prove that biblically for you this morning. That's why we're going to continue this thought in fact, my subheading would be discipleship, a family matter. A family matter. Everybody loves family photos because they capture moments in time that are priceless to us. And we can look back on those and revisit memories of days gone by with friends and family that we loved so dear. And some of them are already gone on to be with the Lord. Amen. But there's something about the old family photo album. I'm just curious. Anybody in here even have an old photo fa album anymore that you actually take off a shelf and flip through? This younger generation, they got it all stored in an iPad or an iPhone or something. And they couldn't find all their pictures if they wanted to because uh, it was on the old phone and now they bought the new phone and they didn't get the transfer. And it's a mess. I, I think we need to go back to old photo albums, don't you? <laughs> Amen. Now, I, I'm not against digital technology. I use it as much as anybody. But there's something special about family photos. And I think it's because it represents that which is nearest and dearest to your heart. Amen. And, and God started... A family and he included those of us who are born again through faith in Jesus Christ and if God were to pull out the photo albums in heaven one day would he find you in the family picture 
we, we illustrated earlier what, it, what we do. We gather around, we take pictures of our f- precious moments, and we hope to cherish those for the rest of our lives. But will God find you in his family photo album in heaven? We're, we're, are you a part of the family of God, or are you missing in action? Are you around when family affairs are conducted in the church and in the family of God, or are you one of those that never show up for any of the family reunions? Just some points to ponder this morning. As we look into the Word of God, we want to go back to Genesis chapter 1, and I want to open with a verse that we closed on last week, verse 28, where God blessed them, them being Adam and Eve, Uh, And God said unto them, this is after he created them, of course, he said, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. That means to conquer or rule over it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. When it says to be fruitful, this means to bear fruit, it means to grow, and it means to increase. Everything that God did in his creation, you remember I told you this, everything God did in creation was for the purpose of teaching us spiritual truths with earthly examples. It is no mistake that God created a family in a very literal sense and instructed them to bear fruit, to grow, and to increase to then find later that he's going to use the same principle to teach us what the family of God's supposed to do from a spiritual perspective. There are examples, there are illustrations that we can learn from. Amen? And one of the principles that we see here. It was not until God told them to be fruitful that he then told them to subdue it. Uh, God never meant for the whole earth to belong to just Adam and Eve. He obviously wanted them to be reproductive. And though reproduction is a part of being fruitful, it's only one slice of the pie. It wasn't just to populate the earth. It was also... Uh, to, uh, to grow and to increase and to replenish and also to subdue or to conquer or to rule over the earth, to rule over the weak and beggarly elements of this sin-cursed planet. Amen. And, and God is teaching us a principle that when He wants to bless, His blessings are so big that they cannot be contained in your life alone. So He needs children to bless he needs uh, those coming after you that he can pour blessings into this is the heart of a father i mean where is god going to store all that he can give unless he has a recipient whose whose generations beyond continue to grow and increase to receive all that god has for mankind it's a concept it's a principle that i want you to get a hold of this morning y'all don't mind if i teach a little bit this morning do you I'm in a teaching gear this morning. This is a principle. And, and, and I told my wife just the other day, one of the, some of the greatest blessings that God bestows upon the Caudill family, he bestows upon the heads of my children. 
And I told my wife, I said, I can be hurting, but if my children are doing well, I can be happy. Amen? I can be happy. And that's the, that's, that, that's the idea that God wants not just to bless you, but he wants to bless your children and your grandchildren. And if you don't have children or grandchildren, he indeed wants to bless you, but you can also participate in the family of God and become a father figure to others that you lead to Christ in the family of God. And you can be a father figure to those that need to be pointed to Jesus Christ. Uh, I think about my family, and I, I don't think my uncles would mind me saying this, but uh, my dad and my uncles, they uh, lost their earthly father when they were just children. And, uh, of course, uh, it goes without saying that bears with it some heavy weights upon a family that make it difficult for them to survive. And, of course, it made them tough, and, 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 and they're doing well for themselves. Uh, and they don't pity themselves because they didn't have an earthly father, father they, but they do recognize that maybe if Daddy was around, things would have been easier for Mom, and things would have been easier for the kids uh, and, and they wouldn't wish the burden of uh, a fatherless childhood on anyone. But if I were to give them time to speak for themselves this morning, no doubt they would say that the Heavenly Father has made all the difference in the world for them. And the Bible says that when your father and your mother forsake you, the Lord will take you up. And so we're looking, uh, we're talking about divine order. We, we talked about how that God, the Creator, is the one who sets things in order, and He's the one that we go to for an example of what uh, should be and what is or what can be. And the good news is whether you have an earthly father as a positive example or not, that is no excuse for those who are willing to join the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That you can be fathered, and it's more than just someone who pays the light bill. Amen. He wants to be a friend to you. He wants to be a companion to you. He wants to lead and guide you into all truth through His Holy Spirit. And He wants to be your coach and your mentor and your example. And He wants to be a loving Father that has compassion on you and, and helps you and aids you through the process of this thing that we call life. Amen? And so God models for us what it looks like to be a good Father. And I'm headed somewhere. If we were to go to Colossians chapter 3, don't take the time to turn, just listen quick. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 20 uh, gives us a, a little glimpse of a relationship between a father and a child. It first says to the child, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. And then it says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And so some of us only have an example of a mean-spirited father. I say some gen generically speaking. I don't know your story. But the heavenly father is, of, is not of a mean demeanor to his children. He does not stimulate or provoke you to anger to discourage you. But he would coach you and encourage you. And now he, he will reprove you, but it'll be to the end that you'd be better for it. Uh, God does not discipline just to prove a point. He disciplines because he loves you. If you're with me, say amen. And, and you need to know that he looks at you as a child if you're his. 
And, and just as he would give us instructions as earthly fathers and as earthly children to deal one with another, this is the, uh, the kind of relationship that we should have with our heavenly father. That as children we should obey our Lord in all things because it's well-pleasing to him. And our father will, uh, is not here to provoke us to anger, uh, to discourage us. If, if there is a discouraging spirit that comes into you through religion that causes you to walk away from your fa- father's, your spiritual father's household, that is not a spirit coming from your father. Not everybody that claims to love Jesus even knows Jesus. And there's a big difference between having a membership with a religious association Versus a relationship with God, your heavenly Father. Many today are not even in church because of church hurt. Some religious organization with mean-spirited men who misrepresented the heart and mind of God damaged someone emotionally to the extent that they will never cross the threshold of another church door because they have the disillusionment that church equals God and they are not the same. My prayer for you and I as members of this assembly is that we would never misrepresent the heart of a heavenly father who means you nothing but goodwill. You say, preacher, how do you know that God means nothing but goodwill? Well, what did the introductory to Jesus say when the angels introduced Jesus when he came into Bethlehem as a babe? They said, peace, goodwill toward men amen jesus christ came to bring good news that fallen man and all of his uh, sin can in fact be forgiven and restored back to family fellowship with god his creator in a relationship with jesus christ that we can enter into the holy of holies the purest spot that God exists, amen, uh, uh, that we can enter there boldly because having received forgiveness of sin and being washed in the blood, we are now made presentable to our Father and God would have it no other way. He wants you to come one, come all to the foot of the cross where you can find mercy and grace and forgiveness and strength and help and healing and anything that you might need uh, as a human being on this planet. Somebody say amen this morning. Discipleship is a family matter, and it starts with the father. In fact, I dare say fathership or fatherhood equals discipleship. Now follow me. We have failed at discipleship. Let me rephrase that. If we have failed at discipleship, I believe it is because we have failed at fatherhood. Because we have turned church into religious machinery rather than a relationship with a loving father can i get an amen and if we are to ever expect the next generation to fall in love head over heels with jesus and carry the torch of the gospel to to the generations ahead of us and beyond us then we are going to have to get them hooked up with the heart of the father and not with religious machinery made by men which crush people beneath their feet can i get another amen amen discipleship begins with a father's heart a fatherly love and quickly i need to point out three things and i may have to skip a lot of 
passages this morning, I'll try to hit the high points. But number one, I want you to see what God the Father does. If you just listen, I'm going to read three verses out of the book of James, chapter 1, and verses 16 through 18. He said to us, Do not err, my beloved brethren. Okay, you got that? Don't do wrong. Simple. Let's carry on. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He is so full of light that no matter which way he turns, he does not even cast a shadow because he is the light. He's the father of lights. And what did it say? Any, any good and perfect gift comes from him. If there's anything in your life that you would call good or perfect, and it in fact is good or perfect, then it has come from the father. Don't let the devil lie to you and try to tell you that heathen folk have been better to you than God has. They may treat you better than some church folk that don't know the heart of God, but they can't beat the heart of a loving father. Amen. I, I get the dynamic. I understand. Uh, I, I have been uh, a victim of religious machinery myself. I've been mistreated in so many ways that I, uh, I could depress you in, in three minutes flat. But I'm not going to do that this morning because I've learned the difference between men and the father. And I've learned that most men, because of their ill will and misguided notions, misrepresent the heart of our Heavenly Father. And you need to know that every good and perfect gift is from Him. And then it says this, Of His own will begat He us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of His creatures. There's that word firstfruits. What did He tell Adam and Eve to do? Be fruitful. And multiply. Now he has created a people through the shed blood of Christ who, are, who he is calling first fruits. These people are also to be productive in the family of God. These people are also to multiply and replenish the earth with the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, but there's a deeper meaning with this word first fruits. Uh, the first fruit is the fruit or produce first matured and collected in any season. And listen, of these the Jews made an oblation or an offering to God as an acknowledgment of His sovereign dominion. So if we are His firstfruits, we are also owned by Him. We are His offering. We are to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Simply put, God created you for Himself, not for you or anybody else. Amen. We are and were created, the Bible says, for Him, for His glory, for His goodness, right? For His pleasure. Understand this. God enjoys fellowship with His creation. But He had to fix it because broke, fellowship was broken. Now follow me. We see what the Father does in this text is that He is making disciples of us so that we as his first fruit can bear fruit for him and on his behalf and continue the generations of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth with the hope of the gospel. All right? 
So we see what God the Father does. But now let's look at John chapter 14. And I want to show you what God the Son does. We know what the Father's doing. He has started the family of God. We sing the song sometimes, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Amen. I remember on September the 9th of 1990 when I was born again. Amen. I was washed in the blood of Jesus as an 11-year-old boy. I gave my heart and life to Christ that day. And I was spiritually born into the family of God. And so ever since, uh, though I've not been perfect, I have sought to serve my Father and to please my Father. Though many times I have failed, I have never been kicked out of the family. And I've always been nursed back to health when I've done wrong or disciplined back to health. Amen, church. So we know that the Father is making disciples of us. What is Jesus doing? We begin reading John 14, verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto who? The Father, but by me. So where's the destination that we are headed to? The Father. But Jesus is the door. God the Father offered up God the Son as a sacrifice so that, we, that, so that He could have many sons of God through faith in His name and that through Christ a doorway would be made back to where the Father's house is. If you read John chapter 14 and study it very carefully, uh, when Jesus said, uh, uh, I go to prepare a place for you and if I go to prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also if you study very carefully you will discover that it's, it's more than heaven and it's better than heaven it's not talking about when we get to heaven it's talking about enjoying the presence of the father that we could not enjoy before we were washed in the blood of Christ and guess what? You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to enjoy the presence of your Father. You can enter into that relationship with Him today. And, and, uh, and God the Son, let's see what He's doing now. Uh, we're establishing truth here. Skip to verse 10 of John 14. He said, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? He said, The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the who? The Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Jesus said in verse 7, If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. What Jesus is essentially saying is, uh, you don't need to uh, uh, make too much of a distinction between the heart of God the Father and the heart of God the Son. Actually, you don't need to make any distinction because they're both the same. Jesus simply came to this earth and Jesus is our hero. Jesus is the one that died on the cross for us. Oh, and we love Jesus. But Jesus saying, if you've seen me, if you've known me, you've seen the Father, you've known the Father, I'm just doing what he sent me to do. I'm just saying what he sent me to say. And you need not fear the Father that caused the mountain to tremble at Mount Ararat, I think it was, or whichever, um, whichever mountain it was that the Ten Commandments were given. 
given. And if you remember, the people were afraid to even approach the, 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 the mountain where Moses went and met with God because uh, smoke uh, was ascending up and it was an earthquake. And, and when God spoke, it was like thunder. And they feared the presence of the Father. Many today who are of a religious spirit but don't understand the heart of the Father and the doorway to the Father through Jesus still fear the Heavenly Father but love Jesus but they're both the same person uh, they're both the same heart rather are you hearing what I'm saying God's saying I want you to come back home uh, when we have our family reunions it's often that many families congregate around the father figure amen uh, when I go home to North Carolina uh, if I don't go to my daddy's house, it's only because my family's outgrown his living quarters. Amen. <laughs> but we try our best to visit with them as often and as, as, as long as we can. There's something about the presence of daddy. Do you remember when the prodigal son came to himself? He was in a far country and then it dawned on him all of a sudden. He said, wait a minute. What am I doing feeding with the hogs what am I doing eating all this junk uh, when I could be back at home daddy's uh, dad he said daddy's slaves eat better than I do right now and he's got bread enough in despair he said I'll tell you what I'm going to do I'll go back to my daddy's house amen and you know what God's trying to do is trying to teach you how loving he is and how patient he is and how he wants to uh, have a a, a uh, a real-time relationship with you. You know, the, the old songwriter wrote a song that we enjoy singing. I hadn't heard it in a while. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. Y'all remember that? And the joys we share as we tarry there. None other, come on. None other has ever known. And if you know him like that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you don't know him like that, you don't have a clue. But I can tell you, you can know him today. Now, so what was Jesus doing? Jesus was representing the heart of the Father. He wants a relationship with us so that we can represent him to others that he wants to redeem by his grace. Now, what about the Holy Spirit? We're still in John 14. Look at verse 12. Verily, verily, or truly, truly, Jesus said, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do. Let's stop right there. What works was Jesus doing? His own works or the Father's works? The Father's works. Okay? The works that I do shall... He do also, and greater works than these shall he do. And how's that going to happen? Because I go to my Father. So wait till me and Daddy team up side by side on the throne, and things are going to pick up around your house. And what is, it, what is the Holy Spirit going to do? Verse 16, I, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. He's going to comfort us, that he may abide with you forever. He's going to live in you and never leave you. All right, verse 18 again, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Verse 20, at that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. So what is the Holy Spirit doing? He is enabling us to be like Jesus, who was like his Father. 
Do you see how the generational blessing passes on? Simply put, if you'll be like your father, you'll disciple others. You'll be a father figure to them. Uh, you won't be so impatient with them that you rush them on because you've got more important things to do. When God sends someone into your life, you realize that you're on a kingdom assignment to represent your father well. And you can't just rush people off and just, uh, sh uh, you know, just be rude and ugly and arrogant and inconsiderate. You've got to love people because the Father loves people. And if you love people not, then you don't know the love of God. The Holy Spirit's going to lead us and guide us in all truth. And He's also going to show us the heart of the Father. He's going to reveal to us how we can live our life as much as humanly possible like Jesus and like the Father. And we have no business treating our family of God, or even the lost for that matter, any differently than Jesus would have treated them. And... Uh, I might as well say it. I attended a, uh, a business meeting uh, last week, maybe a week before, with the Chamber of Commerce down at Fernandez. Um, I joined the Chamber as a way to network, to help with my business, to supplement my income. And, uh, well, wouldn't you know it, we got there and they were passing out drinks. And I'm not talking about Coke. They were drinking, uh, they had water for the preacher, though. Thank God they did have an alternative for me. And I wasn't there to social drink, and I don't have any plans of doing that. Uh, but I also wasn't there to scorn and scoff and mock. Uh, it made me think of the scripture where the scribes and Pharisees criticized Jesus because he ate with publicans and sinners. And the religious folk had a big problem with that. And I thought, my mercy, mercy, somebody's going to have a problem with me being over here with these folk. And wouldn't you know it, they took a picture of him, plastered it all over Facebook, and I was the star photo talking to two other people, one of them with a glass of wine in his hand. Now, if you didn't miss that, you need to dig it up and look at it just for a laugh, if nothing else. You say, did it bother you, preacher? Only just as much as it, 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 it probably more so than it should have. But what, what occurred to me was God put me in a position to where I can become an influencer with God's help in people's lives that may never otherwise have a representative of the heart of the Father. So while I may choose a path that, uh, that gets a lot of scorn and, uh, from the religious crowd, I would rather please my Father and be like Jesus. Uh, and, and God help me, and you pray for your pastor, that I will represent the heart of my Father well and lead people to Christ as those opportunities present themselves because ultimately it's about leading people to Christ Jesus said I pray not he prayed to the father he said I don't pray that you take them out of the world but I do pray that you deliver them from the evil thereof and that's what we need to pray there's no way that we're going to win the world that we completely disconnect ourselves from we've got to be with them I'm thankful Jesus didn't look down at us and say they're too dirty to mingle with I think I'll keep my distance no but he came to where we were and he reached out and touched to say man uh, and we need to be willing to reach out and touch the lost and properly represent the heart of the father which would love them to repentance and love them to the family of God Amen. what would the Holy Spirit have us do be a student of Jesus and do what Jesus did and Jesus was a student of the father and did what his father did it's discipleship 
You want to know how to uh, uh, teach this next generation to fall in love with Jesus and to carry the gospel torch on? Well, you represent it yourself. You do it yourself. But you serve with them like a father would. Uh, I was, the other night I was helping one of my sons hang up uh, some curtain rods in one of our bedrooms. We've been living here a year, hadn't put up curtain rods yet. <laughs> and, uh, and we said, you know, it's probably about time we do that. And so I was helping one of them learn how to uh, hang up a curtain rod. And, and you know, that, that's discipleship 101 right there. They're not going to learn it by uh, watching you from a distance. They're going to learn it by watching you like it's, it's, we call it on-the-job training. Amen. Uh, you've got to get out in the field with them, show them how it's done, and then give them kind of like training wheels. Give them a little push, but be right there to catch them if they fall and work together. And that's how we're going to win this next generation to Christ. That's what Generation Next is all about. It is that the whole family would catch the vision of the importance of father and son, mother and daughter, and vice versa, to come together at the house of God, not to send Johnny off to a youth camp and then you go live like the devil and get mad at him when he comes home on fire for God and sheds light on your wicked sin, amen. Uh, but, but when the family decides together, hey, uh, uh, what's good for one is good for the other. If I expect my children to live right, then I need to live right myself and I need to get right with God. I need to repent of my dirty, rotten sin and I need to apologize to my children for expecting them to do something that I never had no intention of doing myself. I'm talking about fatherhood as discipleship. But if you cease to be the father you're supposed to be, you will never win them to Christ. The Holy Spirit makes us one with the Father and the Son and both teaches and enables us to live as Jesus did with the overshadowing presence of His heavenly Father. John 14, 26 said, In conclusion, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So, if we're going to listen to the Holy Spirit, we're going to have to get in this book. We're going to have to attend a Spirit-filled Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, Bible-practicing church. Somebody say amen. And we're going to have to let the Holy Spirit speak to us through this book and correct us when we're wrong and lead us and guide us from where we're at to where we need to be. Step by step, minute by minute, moment by moment. And then we are to transfer that knowledge and information by practice with, not separate from, the next generation. So what, what I would propose as a youth program is let's figure out some things we can do to serve the community together. And let's get about doing it together. And you would be surprised at the conversations that will take place that will turn the hearts of the children to the God of heaven. Because they saw that example in you and I. And they saw that it was genuine and real and authentic and it wasn't fake and it wasn't a facade it wasn't a plastic religious face we put on Sunday morning and then abandoned at the first light of day Monday morning God help us to understand that if the household is to be in order then we're going to have to subscribe to God's plan and purpose for the family and if the family gets right with God that can be the saving of society and the reason Satan attacks families is because they're the backbone of a healthy culture and society. 
you destroy the family unit and you start at the house of God by doing so, then you can win the battle. You can dominate over this earth. But if we would go back to Genesis where he said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, he gave us the example through his fatherhood. If we'll practice what he preached to us, we can again gain influence and overcome the world in a way that we never thought was possible because the whole family of God is coming together in unity at the foot of the cross and trusting God to be their guide. And it will make a tremendous difference in this world. God's people can rise up and be salt and light in a crooked and perverse generation. And we need not accept defeat and failure and just throw in the towel, so to speak. Uh, We need to rise up and be counted for. And it needs to start in the family altar, at the home, and in the house of God. And if you're with me, everybody say amen. Everybody standing to your feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to ask my family to come give an invitation, if you would, please. You might be a, a literal father this morning, and you know that you've got some work to do in your family. I, I want to challenge you to surrender it all to Jesus this morning. Just, you can do it right there, and you say, you don't have to come forward. As long as you mean business with God, you can go hide behind a rock and pray, and he'll hear you. But you do business with God. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we're going to get, turn this service, uh, this invitation over to your full control. God, we're going to ask you to have your will and way in this house. Lord, I, I, I believe that you're stirring in the hearts of your people in these end times to make it count like never before.